internet. I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report. It is September 12th, 2022. We are live streaming on Rumble, YouTube, and Blaze TV. If you have not subscribed, uh, please do so and tap that notification bell so you might just might get our videos. Uh, you may have noticed that we did not do a cold open today. There is a reason for that. Obviously, yesterday, Sunday, was the anniversary, uh, the 21st anniversary of the 9-11 attacks and really how our whole history and future changed on that day. Uh, and over the weekend, as I was thinking about it, and talking to some friends and family, especially yesterday, um, I realized that we didn't do anything on the show about it earlier in the week, and I wanted to do something today related to 9-11, uh, a little bit on the personal side, a little bit on the political side, uh, but then sort of blend it with what I've been trying to do with the show lately, which is that we have to get out of this descent to hell that we all seem to be on, this endless polarization, this you're a Nazi, you're a fascist, like, are we gonna rip this thing apart? Are we gonna just give up, you know, the most precious experiment in human freedom that has ever existed? Uh, so that's kind of what I wanna do uh, today. You know, so real quick, I wanna just mention, and some of you have heard me either say parts of this before on the show, I've mentioned it here or there, or I wrote about it a little bit in the first book, Don't Burn This Book, uh, but I lived in New York City during 9-11. I was uh, basically fresh out of college, first couple years, I was doing stand-up at night, I was working all sorts of odd jobs as a waiter and a bartender, and I just, and I stood on street corners handing out tickets, all, all sorts of crazy stuff, but I lived on 90th and 1st, which is the Upper East Side, so in some ways that's sort of the polar opposite of, uh, of downtown where the towers were, obviously, I was on the Upper East and they're far, obviously far downtown, and, uh, I lived, 90th and 1st was basically a block away from the, from the mayor's mansion. And Rudy Giuliani obviously was the mayor at the time. And because I was doing all these odd jobs, I didn't have to wake up first thing in the morning. And I woke up that morning uh, because my phone kept ringing and it was my dad who worked in Midtown at the time, Times Square area. Uh, and he had seen uh, the second plane hit because obviously the first plane hit, then there was you know, a little bit of time between, he had seen it from his office. He had a, he had a great office in Times Square. Um, and then once the second plane hit, obviously everyone knew there was an attack. So that's what I woke up to that day. And then, you know, without, without belaboring the entire point, just the weeks of, of craziness in New York City, all of us glued to our TVs. I had several friends that couldn't get out of New, of New York to get home to either Westchester, Long Island, Jersey, et cetera. So I had friends that were staying with me for days, the trains weren't working. Uh, what my, I'll tell you one little story, but some of my memories include, uh, I remember walking out to First Avenue because I was like, oh man, I better get some stuff for the house. Like we didn't remember at that time, we didn't know they were, they were saying there's all these other planes. Like it felt like society was just collapsing. And I walked outside and it was probably about an hour later and you could already smell the soot and the debris and all of the stuff in the air, probably toxic stuff in the air. And I'm talking, I was in the polar opposite part of New York City. And I remember uh, walking down, I was just gonna go to a little bodega, get water or whatever. And I remember seeing literally thousands of people just walking down First Avenue. Well, technically they were walking up, uh, walking up First Avenue. Uh, that's one of the images that really strikes me. And, uh, and it was, my dad couldn't get out of the city. He, had, he and some of his coworkers actually stayed at my, my grandma's apartment who lived in Manhattan. And all, all the stories that you all know, I, I've, Fortunately, I firsthand didn't know anyone that, that died in the Twin Towers, which is or on the day, uh, which is kind of amazing. But I have a lot of friends that knew people and family members that knew people. 
Uh, but one story that I want to tell you, because I think it'll get to what I want to get to today, which is like, how do we, how do we bring this thing back together? Because after 9-11, we kind of were together. And maybe it was fake to some degree and something like that. Um, but there is, we can't keep doing this thing forever, this endless, like, mutually assured destruction that we're doing all the time. So it was about two weeks after 9-11, and I had been in my apartment just staying in there watching CNN all, you know, all the time. That's all anyone was doing. Nobody really was going to work. You know, it was very eerie in the city. It still smelled and like, there, you know, the air wasn't clean, all of that stuff. And finally, one day I was like, I have to get out. I was like, let me just grab my basketball. I'm going to go over to the basketball courts by the mayor's mansion about a block away. And I go out there and play, and there were a couple guys out there, and you know, we just kind of like pulled together this pickup game, and we're playing, and we were like five minutes into the game, and you know, no, I don't think anyone knew each other. Like it was just like a bunch of people that showed up at the court, and we're playing, and uh, one guy fouled another guy really hard, like kind of elbowed him, and they got into each other's face, like exploded into each other's face, like everyone had all this pent up frustration and anger and pain and fear and all this stuff. They got into each other's face. This sounds like a movie, but this is exactly what happened. They're screaming at each other. And then I kid you not, they both began crying at the exact same time. Crying, crying. And then everyone on the court kind of, we all kind of got it and we let it go. And then, and then we kept playing after that. Nobody really said anything about anything or whatever. Uh, but that feeling, that feeling, like can we get back to a little of that? I think there is a way actually. Uh, and that's what I'm gonna be focusing on today. And I think it's probably what I'll be trying to focus on uh, going forward. Can we find something that is a sane middle again? Can we put away some of the hatred and all of that stuff. Uh, I know if you're watching this that you're willing to do it. And, and, and that then begs the question like, well, okay, if you're willing to do it, but the other side isn't, what do we do? And I think there maybe are ways that we can change tactics and things. So that's gonna be the focus uh, today. Real quick, guys, let me talk to you about ExpressVPN. Uh, you know, watching Netflix without using ExpressVPN is like going to a casino and only being able to play on the, on the slot machines. Why limit yourself like that? The big money is somewhere else. Netflix has different content libraries for every country. Netflix has thousands of shows, but without a VPN, you only get access to a fraction of that based on your location. Let's, change, uh, let's you change your online location. Control where you want Netflix or other streaming websites to think you're located. That's what ExpressVPN does. While using ExpressVPN, I've been watching all sorts of stuff at the moment. What am I, I'm watching Cobra Kai season five, which I think they have everywhere. Uh, you just open the app, you select United States as your country, you tap one button to connect, and then you refresh your page and whatever you wanna see is there. Why choose ExpressVPN over other competitors? You can gain access to thousands of new shows thanks to their servers in 94 different countries, and you can stream in HD with zero buffering. So be smart, stop paying full price for streaming services and only getting access to a fraction of their content. Get your money's worth at expressvpn.com slash Ruben. That's expressvpn.com slash Ruben. Okay, so I wanna just dive into a little bit of 9-11 and what it was like back then and sort of where we are at the moment. Uh, Ami Horowitz put together, he's a documentarian, he put together a great documentary uh, that's over at the Daily Wire site. Uh, I wanna show you just about a minute of it, that uh, just the beginning minute, because uh, I think it'll sort of frame a little bit of what I wanna do today. What was your 9-11 experience? I saw some, a lot of paper in the air, and I turned my head and looked upward. 9-11 was a seminal event in American history. 
This, Justin, you are looking at a, obviously a very disturbing live shot there. That is the World Trade Center, and we have unconfirmed reports this morning that a plane has crashed into one of the towers of the World Trade Center. Where were you on 9-11? What was your experience? These were among the most frequently asked questions of that generation, and everyone had their story. It changed our relationship with the world and how we view it. It's hard to believe that it's been 20 years and how much has changed in this country. Some for the good, and some not so good. It does feel like an awful lot has changed back then. Um, a couple days after 9-11, I think it was maybe three days after, as, as the buildings were still burning, as they were still trying to pull people out of the wreckage and all that, uh, George W. Bush gave his famous 9-11 bullhorn speech, which probably was the best moment of his entire presidency. Thank you all. I, uh, I want you all to know can't go any louder. I want you all to know that America today, America today is on bended knee in prayer for the people whose lives were lost here, for the workers who work here, for the families who mourn. This nation stands with the good people of New York City and New Jersey and Connecticut as we mourn the loss of thousands of our citizens. I can hear you! I can hear you, the rest of the world hears you, and the people... and the people who knocked these buildings down will hear all of us soon. Chills up my spine, even though I've seen that probably 500 times. Um, that feeling, that feeling of we're in this thing together. It doesn't matter where you're from, what you look like, all of that stuff. America, that's what he's talking about there. Uh, that's, I think, the spirit that we got to get back to here. You may remember that after 9-11, then, of course, everything uh, was delayed or canceled, public events, all sorts of stuff. The World Series was held uh, basically two months later. There was an incredible... A moment during the baseball playoffs, uh, Sammy Sosa on the Chicago Cubs hitting a home run. 3-0 pitch, swing and a high drive, belt to deep turn right, back toward the track, hit the wall, it is gone! Sosa hits it into the basket, and he's got old glory too!
You're not going to believe it, guys. There were uh, Democrats, Republicans, independents, libertarians, progressives, all sorts of people in the audience there in the, in the stands, and nobody cared what their differences were. And I don't think anyone in those stands cared what anyone's sexuality was or color of their skin or anything else. So then yesterday, as we were looking through some of this stuff, uh, I saw this video. This is, uh, well, this is Donald Trump uh, a day or two after the attacks. You walked around, and as you saw the piles of rubble, there are thousands of families out there who are hoping that someone might be in a pocket somewhere, still alive, still breathing, waiting to be dug up. As you assess that damage from your perspective, do you believe that's possible? Well, I, I would certainly not want to be the one to say it's not possible. Certainly, it's, uh, it's a tough situation, but you can't give up hope because there's always hope. I mean, the five men, I'm sure their families thought that they probably were gone, and now they walk in the door. A couple of them walked away after they were dug out. So there probably are some more people in there and therefore you can't give up hope. Can't give up hope. Ain't it the truth, whether you're talking about literally people buried under rubble or whatever's going on right now, you gotta have hope. So now I wanna sort of contrast that with a little bit of what's going on with our political rhetoric today. So obviously, you know, what was it about eight, nine days ago, there was that really just absolutely insane Joe Biden speech once again, demonizing half the country, really the horrific optics of, you know, the sort of Nazi imagery that he was standing behind, all of that kind of stuff. Well, then Hillary Clinton uh, was do making the rounds this weekend on a bunch of shows, sort of talking about 9-11, but then also talking about just other issues and, you know, a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, but listen to her basically tying 9-11 extremism into today's political climate, and, and I show you this as something, this is what we're going to have to fight. I feel grateful that um, we were able to come together as a country at that really terrible time. We put aside differences. I wish we could find ways of doing that again. We rebuilt New York. Uh, we have done our best to take care of the families that lost so much on that terrible day. And we have also, I think, um, been reminded um, about how important it is uh, to try to deal with extremism of any kind, uh, especially when it uses violence to try to achieve political and ideological uh, goals. So I'm one who thinks that uh, there are lessons still to be learned from what happened to us on 9-11 that we should be very aware of uh, during this time in our country and the world's history. So it's interesting because this is the sort of doublespeak that I'm always warning you guys about, and I think they really do do it by design. And I'm mentioning this not to slam her, but to just sort of expose it so then we can figure out how to react to this stuff a little bit better. Because on one hand, she's saying we came together afterwards and we, you know, we shouldn't be demonizing people and we used to be able to put aside differences. Uh, this is the same person who, when she was running for president just a couple of years ago, basically called half the country deplorables who still runs around calling people fascists and all the rest of the stuff. And of course she's doing that on news shows that constantly are demonizing one side and, and hiding the bad stuff about the other side. When she talks about extremism of, of any kind, so you see what she did there. She's talking about violent extremism and it's very obvious what her move was. Her move was, oh, there was this horrific thing that happened 21 years ago, 9-11. Uh, but now she's linking it to, what she's trying to do is link it to January 6th and that somehow the Republicans are the ones 
that are violent and that are fascistic and all of these things. And it's like, well, actually, Hillary, um, it was the Democrats and Antifa and Black Lives Matter and all you guys that were rampaging through our cities. So there is something to be said about political extremism, but perhaps you should be the one being lectured, not giving the lecture. But I don't bring this up to just add fuel to the fire of all that. I bring it up again because we got to figure out a way to get around this stuff. And I do think that it is possible. I've got some ideas, which I'll get to in just a moment. Uh, let me talk to you guys about Liquid IV real quick. You know, the hot summer months here in Miami, Florida, David and I often need to be proactive about keeping our bodies fueled and hydrated. Making hydration a priority can help us feel healthier in our everyday lives. One stick of Liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates you two times faster and more efficiently than water alone. Plus, Liquid IV products taste great with 10 refreshing flavors like Concord Grape, Lemon Lime, Pina Colada, and Tropical Punch. Sounds like summer, doesn't it? I use Liquid IV this weekend after going out to dinner, and I can tell you I feel pretty, pretty, pretty good. Pina Colada is my personal favorite. Grab your Liquid IV in bulk nationwide at Costco, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code RUBEN at checkout. That's anything uh, you want on the site for 25% off, and you'll get better hydration today using promo code RUBEN at liquidiv.com. Okay, so let's go back to that division that I was talking about because it's the, the framework that I think the mainstream media and the Democrats and big tech, everyone wants you to think that the division in America is only here and it's only here because of Trump and ultra MAGA and the Republicans and the fascists and all of this stuff. And it's like, well, maybe it's not exactly that. Maybe there were a set of people who were saying really bad things about half the country for quite some time and not enough of us called it out right when we should have. Uh, this is Hillary Clinton in 2016. I think you'll remember this one. Be grossly generalistic. You could put half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. <laughs> right? The racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, you name it. Really think about that moment for just a second. I know, I know this is old, but what is old is new again, right? Like really think about that. What she's saying there is half of Trump's people. So let's go on the assumption, last time Trump ran, they say he got 74 million votes. Uh, so let's just take half of that number. I, I understand that that was a little bit later, but let's, let's just say where she's talking about 30 million people, right? Or how many votes did Trump get the first time around? Can we grab that? But let's just say it's about 30 million people. What are you saying to 30 million people? You are saying to 30 million people, you're a racist, you're a bigot, you're a sexist, you're a homophobe, you're an Islamophobe, you're a transphobe. You should be pushed to the margins of society. And then how will people react when they see the powerful people talking to them uh, like that, talking about them like that? Well, they might become more extreme. Now, I don't think we have 30 million racist, bigot, homophobe, transphobe extremists in the United States. What I think we have, we have some of those people. It's a small amount of people and it's part of the human condition. Being bigoted, it ain't good, uh, but that's why we have to, you know, use better ideas to convince people that uh, bigotry is not a good thing. Uh, but when she says this, what she's basically doing is what Joe Biden is doing now, what Joe Biden is doing in that speech now. These ultra MAGA Republicans, they're not regular Republicans. They're these evil, horrible things. And this is not a, 
It might be, a, I was gonna say it's not a winning strategy. It might be a winning strategy, right? Joe Biden is president, so it might be a winning strategy. Donald Trump is not president. But it is not a strategy if you wanna ha have a healthy society that is going to be able to continue and flourish if every time a bunch of people who maybe think a little bit different or want a little less government or just aren't on the bandwagon of whatever the spirit of the day is supposed to tell them to do. Uh, if you push those people to the margins, you, you got a real problem. And then, of course, what always comes with this is how media and culture and all of these things, they sort of collide together. So if you're a Democrat, you can say the worst sorts of things about people. You can, you can actually call for violence. We've shown you videos many times, Maxine Waters and others calling for violence and Lori Lightfoot and you know, wishing Thomas, Clarence Thomas would die, like all, all sorts of stuff, right? You're allowed to do it if you're a Democrat because there's Democrat privilege and the media will keep putting you on TV shows and say nice things about you. Uh, and if you're a Republican, you can't do that. Well, then Hillary Clinton went with her daughter, Chelsea Clinton, uh, they went on uh, Andy Cohen's Bravo show. I can't believe the show still exists anymore, that this guy's still doing this, but he's got this show. It's mostly about reality TV, but he brought on Hillary and Chelsea to just sort of launder more of the nonsense, right? You don't bring on any Republicans. You don't bring on any conservatives. You bring on the supposed good guys. Oh, and before I throw out the clip, Trump got 61 million votes the first time around. So she was basically, I, I said 30. She was talking about 30 million people. Anyway, here is Hillary Clinton and Chelsea Clinton on uh, Andy Cohen's show on Bravo. I'm gonna show you some celebrities, Hillary. Say okay. the first question you would wanna ask okay. each one if they were on Got Scene oh, okay. you, okay? And you I'm have ready. great guests on your okay. show. Terrific. Okay, so starting with Melania Trump, what's your first oh. question? Um, how's your summer going? Okay. <laughs> Next question. Um, Clarence Thomas. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Don't you want to retire? <laughs> okay, so I'm not telling you that anything that they did there was that horrible, right? I'm really not. But I'm showing you, like, they just get on these TV shows and they just seem like the good guy, right? They just seem like the good guys. Maybe Andy Cohen should sit down with Donald Trump and uh, Ivanka Trump. Ivanka used to be friends with Chelsea. I don't think Chelsea's friends with her anymore. Like, Maybe you could do that, but this is how the machine just goes and goes by, it's sort of by default. The factory settings here are that, oh, here's a fun reality TV talk show and here's this woman and her daughter like Chelsea, like why do we, should anyone care about Chelsea? I don't think we should. Um, but what they're doing there is they're, they're pushing divisive rhetoric on non-political people. I don't think that the average person who watches Andy Cohen's show and, and what are they watching? What do they have on Bravo? Real Housewives of... Psychotown or like, you know, crazy Botox, Botox lips of Hoboken or whatever they have. It's like, that's what he talks about on there. But then you bring on these people and it's like, oh, here are the good political people. So that when these people go vote who aren't political, they're just by default be Democrats. And that actually is divisive. That actually, because it's, it's a subtle divisiveness. Uh, but sometimes the divisiveness is way less subtle. And uh, I told you guys on Friday that Charlie Crist, Charlie Crist is the guy running against Ron DeSantis here in Florida. Charlie Crist was a Republican his whole life. It didn't work out well for him. So now he's a Democrat. He stands for nothing. He is just like an empty 
suit, like the worst sort of politician you can possibly imagine. Nobody supports him, but the media keeps putting him on because he's anti-DeSantis, okay. Uh, well, he went on The View on Friday, and I promised you on Friday that we would cover some of it today. It's, it's pretty good stuff. We'll get to it in one second. Let me just talk to you about real estate, real estate agents I trust. Uh, you guys know that buying or selling a home is already one of the most stressful things you can do, and it can be way worse if you're not working with the right agent. Generally speaking, our homes are our biggest investment, which is a ton of responsibility, and you need an agent who takes that seriously. That's why I recommend real estate agents I trust. They work with only the best agents in every market. They do their homework talking to agents before inviting them to join their network. And here's a big one. They only work with full-time pros, no part-time or inexperienced agents. They make the introduction, then follow you through the buying or selling process to make sure that you're satisfied. The agents they work with have long track records, are the best sellers in their field. They're part of this audience. They share your values and they're almost anywhere you want to go. Just go over to realestateagentsitrust.com today and provide them with some basic info. Their team will contact you to make an introduction to a preferred agent in your town. You move to Florida and you live happily ever after. Uh, but speaking of someone living in Florida who's not very happy about it, so this guy, Charlie Crist, he's just nothing. When you talk about just these nothing people who become Democrats, the media puts them on the shows and they're supposed to be the good guys. He went on The View on Friday. Before we get though, to Charlie on The View. You know, they do their hot topics on The View. And, and Connor, do we have the warning that we're gonna show you? Thank you very much. Uh, we have the content advisory for you right down below. You can see that. This is Sonny Hostin, who may be, uh, I'm trying to be nice today. I'm trying not to be divisive. What can I say? What can I say? She, she may, she's, she's not a great person. Sonny Hostin is not a great person. So, um, well, here's Sonny Hostin. But if you're saying all DeSantis supporters have hate in their heart, that's not going to well, win people to your well, side. But this is but the problem, Melissa. 60 to 70 percent of Republicans, I'm not even saying MAGA Republicans or this Republican, 60 to 70 percent of Republicans believe that Donald Trump is the leader of their party. And so if you are saying that he is a fascist, what are they? If you are saying that he is a white supremacist, what are they? Right. If you are See, saying that he is a racist, what are they? Because if you follow someone that has hate in their heart, and I believe that he does, then you are complicit in that. And you don't get a pass on it. Oh God, and then the seals, the clapping seals. Now, first off, 60 to 70% of Republicans may view Donald Trump as the leader of the party. That's something that the Republicans have to figure out. Is Donald Trump the leader of the party? Is Ron DeSantis the leader of the party? Is there someone else? That's an interesting debate to have, but you see how quickly you could just flip her logic against her? Like Joe Biden, I think is mentally compromised. I think he's the worst sort of career politician. I don't think he knows what he believes. I think he reads all sorts of awful speeches that are inherently racist and sexist and all sorts of stuff. Does that make everyone who supports him all the worst things in the world? But that's what she's trying to do. Also, just to be clear, Donald Trump is not a fascist. The Democrats have far more fascistic policies than the Republicans. Generally, what Republicans want is to separate government and business. Fascism is combining those things. What the Democrats have brought in through all of these woke corporations, through all of the vaccine mandates, and you're gonna get fired from your job if you don't take an injection, those are far closer to fascist ideas. Granted, I know that Sonny doesn't know what fascism is, but I'm just putting it out there. Uh, that if you believe that Donald Trump is a white supremacist, yes. The guy who gave the speech 
at the State of the Union talking about lowest all-time black unemployment who did more on criminal justice reform than any president in modern times uh, and who all of the Congressional Black Caucus sat there like this when he was talking about it. He's the white supremacist. And then, of course, she also calls him a racist. Uh, okay, usual stuff. Uh, then on Friday, and again, we're going to get to this Charlie Chris guy in a minute. Here's more from Sonny. Can you put the warning up again? And I should be drinking today. Uh, this woman, she's just extraordinary. So there was a Carnegie Mellon University professor. Uh, her name is Uja Anya. Uh, and she, when uh, the Queen of England passed away a couple days ago, uh, she put up a really horrific tweet about it. Uh, and then Carnegie Mellon University put out a statement saying that they don't, you know, that she doesn't represent their views. Now, it's sort of hilarious in a way, as several people pointed out online. It's like, well, you let this woman teach all these young people for years so she can teach all these horrible ideas. But when she tweets out a bad idea, now we better say something about it. Anyway, surprise, surprise. Sonny defended her. What did he say? He said she she, she said uh, a thieving, raping, genocidal empire is finally dying. May her pain be excruciating. It was a thieving, raping, genocidal empire. Twitter took that tweet down because it violated its policies of of wishing pain. Yeah, Okay, so first off, she doesn't even know if it's a he or a she. Like, she just doesn't know what she's talking about. She's unprepared and everyone's the worst of all things. And that she can so glibly, yes, it's just that the British Empire was just thieving and raping and genocidal. And it's like, you know what? There were literally, literally millions of messages sent from some of those places that uh, people would say the UK dominated and destroyed and you know all of those things, say India, say parts of Africa, in support of the queen. It's not to defend the empire and it's not to defend people going outside of their borders and imposing their wills on people and any of those things. This was a woman, this is a woman who lived with really incredible dignity her entire life, who was not supposed to be queen at the age that she became it. I mean, it's an absolutely incredible story. Uh, the abdication of the throne and her stepping into these responsibilities and she lived with grace and decency and we can all talk about whether a monarchy is worth it or not and in some ways I think right now we're seeing proof that monarchies have some value because they last over time instead of just the the crazed sort of politicking of the day but okay putting all of that aside it's just so incredible that someone like Sonny yes yes she's genocidal and then the monarchy and it's all just evil blah 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 okay fine now here is this guy, Charlie Crist. And Charlie Crist has no support in the state of Florida. He just has no support. But the media wants you to think he has support. And they will do anything, obviously, to stop Ron DeSantis because Ron DeSantis stands for freedom. And you guys know all about that. So they bring Charlie Crist on. And what's hilarious is, so Anna Navarro now is going to ask Charlie a couple questions here. Anna Navarro, it turned out, it was exposed uh, by this guy, Brandon Leslie, who, uh, who I've met a couple times, good guy. He found a whole bunch of tweets of Anna Navarro's that he tweeted out at about 10 a.m. right before The View went live of her saying the worst possible things about Charlie Crist. So then that started going viral. So Anna felt that she had to really push Charlie Crist. This is just great. You've been in 16 elections in the last three decades. In that time, you've gone from a staunch Republican to an independent to a Democrat. Your own words, Charlie, have come back to haunt you, have been used against you. What would you say to skeptics like me who think you've changed parties because you're a political mercenary and it was out of, out of convenience? How should we trust you? How do you convince me? I changed parties because my party changed. You know, it started with the rise of the Tea Party back in 09 and 2010. Mm -hmm. And it really has metastasized since then. And, you know, I just couldn't stomach it anymore to see how 
you know, not all Republicans. I don't want to paint too broad a brush here because there's a lot of good Republicans in Florida and in our country. And uh, what I understand, though, is that the party has changed dramatically from what it was uh, when I was a Republican. And, and what I've seen is that it's so uh, anti-minority, frankly, this governor is, uh, making it harder for African-Americans to vote in my state, uh, making it harder for senior citizens like my 90-year-old father, my 87-year-old mother. Mail-in balloting is more difficult in Florida now. Okay, so you can really just, he just reeks of like, they know DeSantis is gonna crush it, they had to put up somebody, so you just find some career politician loser who will take any position on absolutely anything. But of course, the, the, the party changed, not him, and the Tea Party really was the thing that pushed him over the edge. The Tea Party, which wanted lower taxes. The Tea Party, which wanted states' rights. Um, you know, he's talking about them becoming anti-minority. It's like, it's just so not true. Do you know how many Cubans and Hondurans and all sorts of people I meet here in Florida every day who absolutely love Ron DeSantis and they believe in borders and all of these things? So he's just, he's just sort of nothing. He, the guy is just nothing. This, you know what, I'm going to make a commitment on the show today. Barring something so cataclysmic, so off the record, uh, I am never going to talk about Charlie Crist again. The election obviously isn't about, what is it now? A little, little less than two months. I'm not going to talk about this guy again because it's, it, by talk, I'm just giving oxygen to nonsense. It, it's just silliness. But I had to do this because I want to just, it's just about showing you how the machine fakes these people. Um, here's uh, more about new, newly minted Republican Charlie Crist uh, on some of Joe Biden's recent comments. What do you think about the president calling millions of Americans semi-fascist? Listen, he's got to express and be honest about what he feels in his heart and his soul. And I think that's probably exactly what he did. It's just so perfect. I mean, he has no heart and soul. You have no heart and soul. You will say anything to get elected and be part of any party and everything else. Uh, you know, Charlie Crist also, if you want to Google this. I, I don't know why more people aren't bringing it up and it doesn't really matter in some case, in some ways, but there was a documentary about 15 years ago called Outrage and it was all about closeted gay Republicans who were secretly gay and having relations with other people of the same sex and then voting the opposite way. Most of the documentary is about Charlie Crist uh, because he used to be, according to this documentary, and it was, it was a pretty, fairly mainstream documentary, uh, he used to be a Republican, and I guess he used to be gay. Now he gets a new wife every couple of years, so he just, I think he just got engaged again because it's all theater and nonsense. Uh, anyway, what else does Charlie Chris think about uh, the people in Florida that maybe aren't fully on board with him? Well, listen to this one. Those who support the governor should stay with him and vote for him, and I don't want your vote. If you have that hate in your heart, keep it there. I want the vote of the people of Florida who care about our state, Good Democrats, good independents, good Republicans, unify with this ticket. Unify after he demeans and belittles half of the people, more than half, probably 70% of the people in Florida. Okay, so what is the point of all of this? Why am I linking Charlie Crist and watching a Bravo TV show with 9-11 and all of these things. I'm trying to show you that the machine is just going to, it's never going to stop. It's never going to stop trying to tear us apart. It's never gonna stop elevating people who will say one thing and do the other and all of those things. But there are ways to get to unity. And it's funny because when I was off the grid for August and I just spent time in the community here and going to stores and doing baby stuff and all of that, 
It's like there are good people everywhere and we all know it. And that's the thing that they fear the most. Uh, so what do you do? What do you do? You fight back honestly and clearly. And then I think that is attractive to people. I really do. So here is uh, Governor Ron DeSantis responding to a little bit of Charlie Crist nonsense on Tucker Carlson. This is his fifth decade running for office. He's a chameleon, typical career politician. But you know, Tucker, people support me because I kept the state open and protected their jobs. Charlie Chris wanted it locked down. So that's not hate in their heart. They're just appreciative that they had a governor who was standing up for them. Parents around the state support me uh, because we made sure schools were open and we're working to make sure they get education, not indoctrination. That's not hate in their heart. They're just appreciative that they have a governor that's fighting for them. When he says he claims that he wants to unify Florida, he says he wants a Florida for all, and then you <laughs> condemn a majority of the people in the state of Florida, give me a break. And the thing about what I've done is, you know, we've done issues that people uh, across the spectrum have been able to agree with, and that's really what it's all about. It's not hating the other side. It's trying to have policies that a majority can agree with. Isn't that interesting, And that tactic, telling the truth, hey, this is what I am, this is who I am, this is what I stand for, this is what I've done, as opposed to those people who don't like me, they have hate in their hearts. I have been around an awful lot of DeSantis supporters and a lot of the DeSantis team. I've met a whole bunch of really nice people, some I have some political disagreements with, I suppose. Um, but if that, that's one message, there's a clear message of honesty and reality, and then there's just this sort of fake crazy message. But this crazy message is spreading everywhere with the Democrats, and this is what I need uh, I would say, my good Democrat friends, or any of you who are still on the fence about what is happening here, where the say, because I think most of you watching this, you probably you probably think of yourself as somewhat conservative, but but centrist in a lot of ways, the way that we all sort of were in the '90s, something like that, and we, that is in stark contrast to what the Democrats of today have become. What, have become, whether you're talking about that crazy Biden speech, whether you're talking about Chris saying that half the people in Florida have hatred in their hearts, or here's this one. This one is, this one is incredible. This is New York Governor Kathy Hochul, and this is a woman who nobody voted for, right? She was installed after they got rid of Andrew Cuomo. She has become one of the worst authoritarian, lockdown, vaccine, crazed politicians in America and listen to what she's saying about basically half the people in her state right now. And we're here to say that the era of Trump and Zeldin and Molinaro, just jump on a bus and head down to Florida where you belong, okay? Get out of town, get out of town. Because you, you don't represent our values. You are not New Yorkers. You are not New Yorkers. Try to imagine what an incredible, incredibly hateful statement that is. I grew up in New York. I spent most of my adult life in New York until I moved to LA in 2013 and then to the free state of Florida in 2021. Um, New York, especially Manhattan, metropolitan New York, is, is exemplified by all sorts of different people. It is the best living, breathing example of people from all walks of life with all skin colors and ethnicities and foods and languages can come together and live in a good society together. And we did it for a long time. These are the people who are othering everybody. 
they are doing exactly what they accuse all of us of doing. And you know what's also interesting about that? When she says, we don't want the Trump people here. Okay, so let's, I'll even give her a little leash. Fine, you don't want those awful, deplorable, ultra-maga people. But then she also says those Lee Zeldin people. Lee Zeldin is the Republican who is running against her. He's basically a moderate Republican. Whatever version of that can exist in New York, that's all he is. But he should not be in New York either, right? And Molinaro should not be in New York either. And only that, she's literally saying it to the constituents. You are not represented here. We don't want you here. Go to Florida. I would say to those New Yorkers, uh, if you're conservative or libertarian leaning, or you're just somewhat sane, or you don't want government stepping all over you, and you don't want to be surrounded by those morons, yes, come to Florida. Come to Florida. I actually think it would be a pretty decent idea. Uh, Ron DeSantis also uh, commented on those comments by Kathy Hochul. And once again, I think you'll see a stark difference. You have the governor of New York saying all Republicans need to leave the state, just get on a bus. I mean, how absurd is that, uh, that you would say that? But it shows the mindset. If you don't believe, if you don't bow down to what they want, then somehow you're a second-class citizen. That's very dangerous uh, for a side. You know, we're a diverse society. We've got people with a lot of different views, and we're proud to have been able to, you know, have uh, enacted a big agenda in Florida, which we have strong support across the state for on all our, on all our initiatives. Uh, but but you can't go down the road of, of saying these people don't count. What would happen? I mean, how many people would be working in NYPD or the fire department if you kicked out all the Republicans from there? It's really, really crazy that people are saying stuff like this. And so, you know, in Florida, you know, we try to embrace policies, uh, you know, that, that anyone can benefit from. And, and we want people to do well, uh, regardless of, you know, how they may register you know, with a particular political party. And so we're much different than New York in that respect. And I think we're a much freer state as a result. Kind of beautiful, right? Like it's, it's obvious. How much more do you need me to comment on that? Like it's working in one place and that's why people are moving here and it's not working in places like New York and California and that's why people are fleeing. But it's not just the policies. I guess this is the point. It's not just the policies, right? You guys know all the stuff about the high taxation and crushing the police departments and all of that stuff. It's not just the policies. It's also, it's a spirit. It's a spirit of freedom. Kathy Hochul does not believe in freedom in any way that I believe in freedom, in any way that Ron DeSantis believes in freedom. And what she says basically is, if you don't believe what I believe, if you don't share the values that I share, and by the way, her values will always shift over time, right? Because she doesn't, she doesn't believe in anything specific. What she believes in is the accumulation of power. So you will always do more. This is, they will always do more to attain power. And then you have a, that, in stark contrast to DeSantis. Hey, I get that there's diverse people out there. I get that not everyone's gonna vote for me, but what I've tried to do is put out the best policies for everybody and see what happens. Like, the, the, it's becoming more and more obvious. That's my point. And, I, and I'm trying to link that back to Hillary in 2016. They're deplorables. And now Kathy Hochul, get out of my state. Charlie Crist, I don't want you to vote for me. These are mainstream Democrats. Where is anyone to counter them? Where, where is it? Where are those people? I will gladly put them on. Uh, but, you know, there are some Republicans that are putting out a, uh, a positive message. Here is Tim Scott. Now, Tim Scott, excuse me, Tim Scott. <clears throat> a lot of talking today. Tim Scott happens to be a uh, Republican who is black and he is from a Southern state and he is called all the worst things by the so-called tolerant liberals and progressives. Uh, I'm not even gonna mention some of those things, but you can figure out what they call him. 
Uh, well, he was recently asked um, if there's optimism to be found in our, sudden, if, in our current situation. Take a look. Senator, we've been talking about the unity we felt in the wake of 9-11, but here we are 21 years later. Um, is it a pipe dream to really think we can get to some kind of unity? Not at all, Shannon. The good news is that America always comes together after the crisis. I call it the aftermath mentality. Whether it's 9-11, the most unified time I've seen in American history, or you look at South Carolina after the Mother Emanuel shooting, this state came together and we had African Americans and, and whites and Hispanics all at a bridge, 20,000 strong, showing the unity of our state. I believe that we are the most exceptional people on earth and we do unify after the crisis. The question is, can we have the type of leadership that unifies us without a crisis? Ah, now that's it. Can we have leadership that will unify us without a crisis? Like, do we need another 9-11 before we're willing to all sit down at the table again? Is that what we're gonna force to happen? Uh, because we won't do it otherwise. When I say we, I don't mean you watching this and I don't mean me, like I know we are willing to do this and I know that we are willing to live in a state with people who are different as opposed to the message that we're getting out of Kathy Holchel, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but what do we do about this? So I think what we have to do is, is keep figuring out ways to welcome people into this, this new freedom movement because that's, that's the way we sell America. That's the way we save America is freedom is what our ethos is. Freedom for you to live the way you wish to live. And what is in stark contrast to that right now? Well, it is the woke thing. It is the woke thing that the Democrats have brought in and that the big tech has ushered in and the cultural machines and Disney and all of that stuff has uh, brought in. We found this video over the weekend. Uh, this is director Alan Hughes. He did a great uh, Tupac Shakur documentary. He did Broken City with Mark Wahlberg, Menace to Society. Uh, he was asked about wokeness and what it's doing to society. And I thought this was pretty great. I brought up George Clooney, right? Being the traditional Hollywood liberal, right? Yeah, right. I'm biracial, so let's start with that. I, I, can, I can see both sides of it. I, I can't imagine what he's thinking right now. He's probably at home, like, just shook and, and doesn't know what to say or do for fear of being called something. Right. I'm talking about a liberal. Yeah. Because woke, wokeness has got so bad um, that people are digging up shit you said in the 70s. <laughs> digging up shit you said in the 90s, not even the 70s, right? The, the culture always changes. The, the lexicon changes. you got to start judging people on shit like that, then we gotta tear down all the statues. We gotta take MLK down, yeah. we gotta take JFK down. So why I wanted to show this was, here you've got a documentarian, guys working with Tupac, like this is not a guy who would be thought of, he's certainly not a conservative, I don't think by any stretch, but the point is he's saying, hey Libs, it's even coming for you. It's even coming for you. Now yes, were there a whole bunch of us saying this a long time ago, yeah, but, but there's something interesting going on there. So what do you do? Well, we've got to crush the wokeness, right? Because they'll come for what you said in the 70s and they'll come for what you said in the 90s and they'll come for what you said a week ago. Uh, but you also have to figure out a way, and I can say this with, with serious clarity, to figure out a better relationship with social media. I, I can tell you in the 10 days or so that I've been back, like, I'm, I'm, first off, I'm definitely trying to tweet less. That's the only one that I do myself but it just all seems like fake nonsense. It just seems like fake nonsense to 
to make you crazy. And I have no doubt that many of you, that even if you watch this, you probably watch some other things on YouTube that are endlessly causing you to feel angry after. I, I would challenge you, I, I'll ask you, we'll look in the comments later. It's like, do you feel angry after this show or do you feel kind of lighter or that you learned something or like maybe a little more hopeful or something? I hope it's the latter, right? Um, but there is a whole machine out there. The, the algorithms are designed to keep you hating and all of those things. We all, we all know that that is the case. Uh, I saw this video by Senator John Kennedy about what social media is doing to us, and it's doing to us, and yet we keep clicking. This also bothers me about social media. I think it has made our society coarser. Uh, I think social media has lowered the cost of being an a-hole. And I really regret that. I mean, people say things on social media that they would never say to another person in person. I don't know what to do about that, but I don't think it's made, um, I don't think it's made our society better. So in addition to, in some respects, being a killing field for the truth, social media has also, in many respects, made our people coarser. He's good. Social media is a killing field for the truth. I like that one, that is good. So what do you do? What do you do? Well, we gotta crush the wokeness to the best of our ability. However, you can try to do that in your own life, whether it's getting your kids out of schools that are teaching gender nonsense, whether it's joining a school board, whether it's moving from state to state, you gotta crush that. We have to rethink our relationship with social media and maybe get off some of these platforms. And then if there's a couple that maybe are defending free speech a little better, I know a little something about locals and rumble, maybe be part of those. Uh, but then what else do you have to be? I think actually one thing that would be nice would be what if we actually made it mainstream to be proud of this country again? You know, that moment when George Bush was standing there in the rubble of 9-11, um, you feel it. You feel like it was okay to be American again. You know, when I see American flags in my neighborhood here, and I'll tell you, I see a lot more in Florida than I do in, uh, than I did in California. It's like, it now me it basically means you're a conservative. Like why would a Democrat put up an American flag, like if they think it was fundamentally racist, if they think that it's systemically evil, if they think that all these things are wrong and that fascism is here, why would you put the American flag up? But I think being proud of your country, not asking everything of your country, but thinking how you can be a better citizen uh, might be a key to this whole thing. There used to be a Democrat who said something like that. And so my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. My fellow citizens of the world, ask not what America will do for you, but what together we can do for the freedom of man. Our cry from what's going on on that side of the aisle today. But the point is, I think we can get back to that. There is still hope. I'm in a weird way. I'm more hopeful now than ever before. Like the more people that see this, the more of you that are paying attention, that get a little bit braver along the way, uh, maybe that's the way out of this thing. Like the, the shining horseman isn't going to show up. There'll, there'll be some good ones along the way. DeSantis will come down along the way. Trump will come and break the thing up years ago. But we need more, we need more. 
And, uh, and that is why I'm hopeful. That's why I do this show. I could not do it if I was not hopeful, right? I would be endlessly miserable and I'm not endlessly miserable and I don't want to be endlessly miserable. Uh, but we can inspire people by reminding them that America is good and we're all in in this together and that the founding of this nation was built to be anti-racist as opposed to the nonsense that they're constantly pushing us on today. Uh, this is spectacular video uh, of the national anthem at the Jets-Ravens game on 9-11 yesterday and the fans got in on it. Feels pretty good, doesn't it? And maybe we don't need another 9-11, which of course is what they were commemorating right there, to get back to that, some pride in the flag and pride in our neighbors and our lives and, and to get the spirit that the founders intended us to get and all of that stuff. So I think I made a case today and how you perhaps incorporate a little of that into your own life. Like I get it's going to be hard for us to sell this stuff for a side that relentlessly doesn't want it and algorithms that are weaponized against us and a mainstream media that wants us divided and a political class that wants us stupid. But I still think we can do it. Crazy, I know. Uh, guys, it's me Monday over at the Rubenport Locals community. Here's the one I put up today. Eating bugs stops the weather. We're getting hundreds of responses over there. That's the next thing they're pushing on us, by the way, if you didn't know that. The next thing coming with all the climate nonsense is they're going to want you to be eating bugs. They are going to keep eating the Wagyu, but they'll be, want, they'll be wanting you guys to eat the, uh, the bugs there. A couple comments from the locals community. Uh, Amy says, thieving and raping. Sounds like my eyeballs review of watching The View. Yeah, I'm sorry. We have to show you those things and I won't show you anymore, Charlie, Chris. Um, I can't promise to not show you more things on The View because they do need to be exposed as such, but... Uh, E.K. says, the view sounds like Nazis and they don't even realize it. Well, that's the irony. When Hochul says, get out of the state, when uh, Sonny Hostin demonizes half of America, when, when Hillary does this, it is, it, I don't mean to do the thing that they do, which is compare everything to Nazis and Hitler and all those things. But when you keep oh, repeatedly, time and time again, take a set of people, put 
blame on them that they do not blame, accuse them of things that they, that they are not guilty of, well, that is the tactic that otherizes people. And then when you fuel that with algorithms and you fuel that with clicks and the awful mainstream media and everything else I've talked about here, you think you could get people to hate people in an unwarranted fashion? I think maybe you could. Homeschool Mama says, wish we could get some of that pride in America back in the mainstream. Hey, I don't know if we can get it back in the mainstream, but the mainstream is crumbling. And these types of things are more important. What's more important? Would you rather have all of Joe Rogan's audience believing the things that I've talked about here today, or would you rather have all of the people who watch The View? Well, guess what? Rogan's audience is way, way bigger. Uh, and we're blowing up across things too, by the way. Uh, I really, I, you know my feelings. I want you guys, if you're watching on YouTube, please jump over to rumble, rumble.com slash Ruben Report. Subscribe, hit that bell, and join us at rubenreport.locals.com where I can directly get in touch with you. And I share baby pictures each morning so far and, uh, and good stuff. Uh, by the way, my full interview with Jared Kushner is available across everything right now. The reaction to it has been really, really good. You know, people don't know much about Jared, right? They know he married Ivanka and he was Trump's uh, advisor and he was often standing in the back of the room, but you never really heard him speak. This is a very, very rare, uh, full hour plus long interview with the guy. Nothing was off the table. He, he said I could ask him absolutely anything. We did not edit it. We never edit our videos, but we did not edit it. I think you get to see a little insight. Uh, he says something interesting uh, about how the machine just exists. It just exists, it existed before him, it's gonna exist after him, and how can you play in that game when you have a chance to hopefully do something good? I think that's partly what I'm trying to do. I think it's partly what you're trying to do. Uh, anyway, we do not have a cold close for you because I thought that the 9-11 uh, uh, event right there at uh, the Jets game was good enough, so uh, that's it. I've enjoyed this Monday show. It wasn't, wasn't, not the funniest show I've ever done. Not the funniest show, but we'll be, will be funnier. You thought it was the funniest show I've ever done? <laughs> All right, guys, see you tomorrow. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Rubin Report direct message.